Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. Classic one I remember. I've got to say it wasn't particularly fun homeschooling three children with a one-year-old there and my husband and I were both... I feel you, Sarah. I feel you. Nobody enjoyed it at all, really. It was carded. It's horrendous. And there was one particular moment where I literally just sat down and cried in front of all of the kids. I was like, this is just not going well. I'm supposed to be doing a lecture, you know, and there's kids everywhere and all this. And I sat there and I said to them, Kids, we just need to pray, you know, because God's got to help us in this, you know. And and, and I remember their faces were like, oh, what's going on? But I think that actually bringing God into that moment, they all knew it was a horrendous moment. We all felt the same. And actually bringing God into that moment, um, hopefully for them, was quite impactful, you know. And it's something I remember, uh, and I think they will. So. You know, God did help us and God did see us through it. And that's the other thing is to point that out. And so I have yeah. mentioned that moment quite a few times. Then. Um, and generally, you know, how has God helped us? How can we see those signs of like that? And... Hello, this is the Faith in Kids podcast. This is the parent stream we're all about the parents. What does it look like to raise children to know Christ in the everyday? Uh, I'm thrilled to be joined by my normal friend, Amy. Amy, say hello, my normal friend. Hello, I'm delighted to be normal, at least as your friends go. <laughs> uh, and Sarah, uh, you are our special guest for today. Sarah, are you happy to introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, where you are, what you do, and something about your adventure of life so far. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Sarah Holmes. I live in the Wirral and I work in Liverpool Hope University. I teach early childhood, but I also, as part of my job, research children's faith and how we can support parents and churches in supporting children's faith uh, most effectively, really. So that's really exciting. Um, I've got four kids at home. Well, they're out of school at the moment. And that's that's part, that's pretty much uh, my life adventure, really. That's that's quite a lot of the adventure. Sarah, and sometimes it's just helpful to put it in a bit more context. Tell us a bit about childhood growing up, I guess, and whether you grew up in a Christian home and your studies now, if you are a sort of professional studier of children, 
you must look at children then from a number of angles as a mother and you used to be one yourself and now you've read lots of learned documents on it. Just tell us a bit about that, your experience of children and being a child. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, my parents were very, very intentional about passing on faith. In fact, my brother and sister often, uh, we joke together now about this voice we have still in our head when uh, we have some kind of problem, we can still hear our parents saying, have you prayed about it? <laughs> because it was so much the kind of the, the dialogue of, of our house, even when it was the most irritating thing for them to say that, you know, actually, it's really made such an impact and a mark on each of us in our uh, various life adventures, you know, that that's, that's, and I'm really uh, delighted for that and really thankful to my parents for that impact. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as now I am, um, studied quite a bit and looked into a lot of this kind of thing it, I just find it really fascinating the um, amazingness that parents are and that family is and that the way God's designed family to be and uh, I'm just really excited that as churches we can come alongside and support families and, um, and equip them. Sarah what would your kids say what what's the voice that they're going to hear in their head you saying to them as they grow up? Well, that's Have a good... you worked that out yet? I don't know Oh, I, d- I really don't know. Can't think now. I tell you, um, my little boy is two, and he has recently he co- he's at the stage of copying everything everybody says. And for about a week, he kept saying, "No way." And <laughs> I said to somebody, "What? Um, who's that that he's copying?" And they said it was me. So I don't know. <laughs> but he's moved on. That was last week. Now he's on something else. Now he's copying Farm and Sam. But uh, I don't know, that's a really good question. And perhaps that's one that's actually a good one for us to, to ponder, actually, you mm-hmm. know, and to help parents to, to ponder what would be, would they say, you know. Sarah, you have, um, you, you have done some research. You, you, that is part of your job is, as you've said, to investigate development of faith in children. And you, you have just released some research. It's made some headlines in some documents and on some websites. Can you just tell us the headlines of what you were trying to do with that research and, and some of the things that, that you, you found you're trying to explain to others? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, it came out of some conversations really that I was having with some colleagues in other countries. Well, it was a couple of UK colleagues, but also in the States and Canada and uh, Brazil as well. And we were just chatting and over Zoom, of course, like you do, and realising that actually we were really seeing the same kind of trends and the same challenges and opportunities in each of the countries. And so we thought, well, let's get together and try and do some research to see what is going on in the sort of the global church in terms of this post-pandemic time and how a church is responding to children and family ministry in these times. So so that was it. So yes, as you said, we've uh, sent out the report last week. We're doing various dissemination events and things. I think we're hoping to do something in January about it. But, but the uh, the key topics really that came out, I think three things. One is that churches and parents are struggling to work together and that we see this sort of thing of perhaps, you know, not necessarily finger pointing, but this, oh, it's your job, isn't it? No, it's your job. But why are you not doing that? And that sort of thing. And, and throughout the pandemic, perhaps we've seen a bit of that. And so mm. actually that's a, an opportunity to, to perhaps build upon. And the other thing is parents want more support. Christian parents, sorry, I should mm. say, this is, you know, all of the people who responded were Christian parents. They labelled themselves as Christian. And um, they wanted more support and they wanted more sense of partnership with churches rather than, just come in and take over please church you know we want you to raise our child for us they wanted it to be more of a supportive thing 
Uh, and thirdly, that actually it's not about being bombarded with resources, that that's not necessarily what's, what parents are wanting, but it's that sense of kind of informal support and that sense of a community, which is what I think the church can do so well. So they were the three big themes that were coming out. Sarah, your report, I've, I've read the highlights are brilliant because there's a highlight section that's like you can go through the, the big headlines and then there's the bigger report. And I think what's so fascinating and encouraging is that what your report finds are the things that I feel as a mum, as someone involved in children's ministry, that it's like, oh, wow, it's not just us. It is everybody. Everyone is struggling with the same sorts of questions and churches and parents, you know, there's so much in it that it's just a relief to hear that it isn't just us. And it is it is something that, that people want to get right. Parents are asking for help and churches want to give it. So surely this can only end well with people wanting the same thing. So I've just found it really encouraging. What would you say is the best highlight for a parent particularly to take home from the report? I think really the fact that parents can make a difference and do, you know, so many times, you know, I say this as a parent myself, we beat ourselves up, we feel Mm -hmm. bad because we could have done so much more, we make mistakes, all that kind of thing. We're real people, aren't we? That's life. But actually, that aside, you know, we, we as parents are, you know, I would say the biggest influence on our children's lives, really. So, so I think in terms of the takeaway, I think that that is in an encouraging way, not a judgmental yeah. way. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a really significant thing. Sarah, that what you've just said feels like it's news to us in that if church is anything, it's relational. You know, it's people in a room, it's people in each other's lives. So can you unpack a bit for us when parents are saying it's not relational, what is it that they see is happening? And what would better look like? Yeah, I mean, we asked um, we asked parents who were, who had been the most support, the most significant support to them in the pandemic, and and they were saying sort of friends um, and family and and so on, rather than the formal church structure, which is good that people obviously have those informal support networks. But also, I think those of us involved in church would want want to be thought of as part of that support structure. Mm. So that's that's an interesting one. But in some other research I've done actually with grandparents, it's come come through quite strongly that there's this sense often of perhaps uh, superficial connections where that it feels like there's this sort of, oh, yes, we see each other once a week or whatever. But actually, many grandparents said to me, I don't really feel able to share deep issues that are going on within our family because I feel that I might be judged for that. And I don't want my family being judged. And, and that's a real shame. And, and they were saying this, that's a shame. It should be that we feel able to discuss and, and pray for one another's families in that way. Hmm. Um, so I think this sense of how do we get to a place of genuine relationship is so, so key. As we're coming out of this, because that's what people crave so much. And is there something about trying to move from the sort of I go to a thing and I come home. It's like a transactional thing. I go to a service, I go to an event to towards it being more relational so that there's, I think I'm just trying to put some meat on the bones of this. So if you're a child and you go to church on a Sunday and you go to Sunday school and you learn a thing at Sunday school and then you live the rest of your week with the struggles that you face and the questions that you have and how you feel and what you think. And there's, 
there's only that hour on a Sunday when faith has had anything to do with with life. That the whole of the rest of the week, how is there a connection happening? And how is faith being modelled in your life? And just, I mean, I think I think you've both done maths on this. Now, maths is not my strong point, so you can explain the maths. But I can tell that there's a whole lot more life happening than just in one hour on a Sunday for adults, grandparents, children, everybody. So how is that how is there going to be an influence that lasts more than just in a transactional way on a Sunday when you're at a, in a room to when you're living your life? Ed, go on, you tell us the maths. Well, the, <laughs> the, the classic maths we've done, in fact, Amy, I've even sat in your church when you've brought up the number of bulls that represent You see, that's because I do visual, I don't do numbers. You do, everything, Amy. <laughs> I remember you brought up the small bucket that represent hours spent in church in a year. Yeah let's say 60 yeah and then you bought up the sort of four vast boxes of ball pool balls that represented sort of waking hours at home only in a month perhaps that if if we're awake for something like 84 hours a week if we're in school for let's say 30 that leaves us with 54 hours with our children there's all sorts of things we can go do with that time but it, whatever the figure we're left with, it must be more than one and a half. Yeah. Which is what we spend in church each Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah, it's, the, the research is as clear as the Bible, I think, isn't it? That forming faith is about more than funny that a funny Sunday that. school lesson once a week. I know, exactly. I Look, I, I say it in almost every presentation I ever do. Amy rolls her <laughs> eyes. I always show a graph and I say, I used to be an engineer. The data says that the Bible is true. I, it makes me smile every time. <laughs> a, Amy smiles a lot less. It, Sarah, t- rather than making this about me, do, do reassure me that I'm not alone in this joy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that... Um, this is what we've all realised in the pandemic, isn't it? That we can't uh, we can't only rely on that time that um, families bring children to church. And there's there's this kind of sense of as we're coming out of this time, thinking about the diverse experiences that children have had or families have had during the last year and a half, or whatever. So some families will have had a much richer experience of faith. There perhaps have been quite intentional times of, you know, family uh, worship, prayer, that sort of thing. Other families on the complete opposite extreme, perhaps God has never been mentioned in that whole time. And perhaps they haven't been able to attend church even when it's restarted. Um, perhaps they haven't been able to attend the Zoom sessions when it was online. And so for that whole of that time, for those children, they've not comprehended or heard mention of God or any kind of faith being modelled out and if you think about of course there's lots of different variations in between but if you think about that and the vast variety that's there you know we need to really think as churches how can we feed into that and try to help Christian parents to use those opportunities and use those hours as you talk about them not for doing huge great big long sermons to their children or you know, planning lots of craft activities to, to demonstrate things about, but just simple everyday sorts of um, living out your faith in a visible way so children can see that. I teach early childhood here at the university and we talk a huge amount about the influences on children and uh, early childhood, particularly, so those first eight, eight years of life. But actually, the, these people who are around children, we, we think a lot, don't we, about technology and screen time and all that's very influential. But actually, 
it's the people around children mm-hmm. who is so influential and 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 that kind of adds a pressure for me as a parent but also it's exciting the fact that my kids do want to see me living out my faith they do um, learn from what I do I, I, a classic one I remember I've got to say it wasn't particularly fun homeschooling three children with a one-year-old there and my husband and I were both I feel working. you Sarah I feel you Nobody enjoyed it at all, really. It was carded. It was horrendous. And there was one particular moment where I literally just sat down and cried in front of all of the kids. I was like, this is just not going well. I'm supposed to be doing a lecture, you know, with there's kids everywhere and all this. And I sat there and I said to them, kids, we just need to pray, you know, because God's got to help us in this, you know. And and, and I remember their faces were like, what's going on? But I think that actually bringing God into that moment, they all knew it was a horrendous moment. Uh, we, we all felt the same. And actually bringing God into that moment, um, hopefully for them was quite impactful, you know, and it's something I remember. Uh, and I think they will. So, you know, God did help us and God did see us through. And that's the other thing is to point that out. And so I have yes. mentioned that moment quite a few times to them. Um, and generally, you know, how has God helped us? How can we see those signs of that? And, and um, and so I think that just those little conversation things make such a huge difference in terms of the chances they have to see faith in a living way, really. I think that's helpful to then be thinking, because often in our heads, we think intentional faith conversations and action is such a massive thing that it's so overwhelming that we're probably not even going to try because unless we can basically you know I don't know run a sort of all-age service for our own family we're not going to be getting it right whereas just those little things of modeling thankfulness like they see me pray we pray for and thank God for our food we uh, maybe talk about a highlight of the day and let's thank God for that before we go to bed And I think, you know, I remember my own kids, one of the most powerful things to them that they could see how real my faith was, wasn't in the moments that it's all going right. But just as you've said, in the moments where it's going wrong, I was driving a car that I felt unable to drive, a very big van, and I had to reverse it into a car parking space and my husband was on crutches and it was all a bit much. And I just had a bit of a weepy moment and told all my children, I think you just need to pray for me about the parking, the car. And it's such a silly thing. But to them, suddenly to see mum wants me to pray for her right now. And that then suddenly next time they feel that they can't do something, it's okay to say, I don't think I can do this. I need you to talk to me about it. And let's pray to God about it too. That let's bring God into the situation. That's an intentional faith conversation. Walking to school and saying, wow, look at that tree on the colours, beautiful on the leaves. God made that. Isn't he great? That's it. That's bringing faith into life and we can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And I think that we do, you're right, we do often put ourselves under pressure to to do some great big thing. And actually that feels a bit weird, doesn't it? If you've never done that before, just (laughs) suddenly start doing that. It does seem a bit weird. But that's okay, you know, after the first, you know, first few times, then suddenly it becomes part of life. Any kind of habit that you change takes a bit of time, doesn't it, to instill. And and so if people are being a bit more intentional in their family life, that will take a little bit of time to get used to and to kind of feel what's right for your family. But it's so, so impactful. Yeah. And I think that's perhaps where the church comes in as well in terms of, and, and this is, you know, going back to the research, thinking that, if we as churches can cultivate environments where that sort of thing is happening and where we just make easy opportunities to, to make that happen. So, for example, in, in my church the other week, I was leading the service, so I took a sneaky opportunity to slip some of this in. And, um, 
we uh, I said to them, okay, guys, just take three minutes um, to chat to the people sitting near you. So, you know, it might have been, they might have come in family groups, they might not, that's okay, mm-hmm. the people near you. And just talk about what what good things has God been doing, you know, in your life and this week or the last few weeks, or maybe if it's, you know, a long time ago, think about that. Just just tell each other some of these things. And, and it was lovely to see those conversations happening, young to old and old to young and so on. And to just see those moments, and and I did then say, oh, you can carry on these conversations later. And just little things like that, suddenly church is allowing families to start these faith-type conversations in easy ways. Sarah, is what you just described there, intergenerational faith happening in churches? Is that what? It might be. I think it might be. I think. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Can I interrupt this very clunky segue? Uh, Sarah, in your report, you define intergenerational ministry and you've clearly, it's one of the key outcomes of your report. Could you just share with us that definition and just talk us through a bit of beyond, do you want me to read it, Sarah? I've just seen your face you made. (laughs) My colleague Mimi wrote that bit and She's very, very um, amazing with intergenerational ministry. Go on then, remind me okay. what it, have you got it there. Yes, I've just got it here. So the definition we have here is intentionally brings the generations together in mutual serving, sharing or learning within the core activities of the church in order to live out being the body of Christ to each other and the greater community. So that I hope that wasn't too clunky. Listening to a definition is never riveting podcast material. But Sarah, when we think of intergenerational ministry, it's very easy to settle on all age church. We're all clear, all ages in the meeting hall, doing church together. That's clearly intergenerational church. Could you just give us a few other examples of what it looks like so we're clear it's not just that? You know, to, to see uh, children, you know, praying for others in, in the church, as in, um, you know, perhaps, you know, we, um, I don't want to paint a picture of us being a particularly spiritual family because we're not. If you could see uh, my life, it's all haywire and all over the show. But, you know, my kids love praying for people who they know are not well in church um, or, you know, particularly older congregation members. And, and they really care and they really want to know and things like that. Uh, and, and likewise, um, there's a there's an older couple in our church who always, ever since we started going there about eight years ago, they've always come up to my kids and by name, you know, they've, they've bent down and said, oh, how, how, how are you? You know, and they've named the child. And how's your week been? And they listen. You know, they actually want to know how their week has been and what's happened and things like that. And to see that proper, deep, genuine connection is so powerful. And then to hear at times, my kids hearing them tell testimonies, well, that's so much more meaningful to hear that testimony of people who care about me and and so on so I think that connecting is really powerful and what you've just described there about children also having something to contribute I think that's big so that they don't just come to church to be the people who are done to but that they see that they're included they have a space in the family that's valuable I remember my daughter remembering one of the the dear old gentleman at church who is the guy that always brings the sweets and remembers their name and uh, and he'd had he'd had a sore on his face and had a little op on it and she kept asking how he was and how he was and just that her going to him to say to him are you better and is it is it sore and are you okay he was just so blown away 
that that he was getting the care back that he'd given. Not that it's a transactional thing, but that that real relationship exists, that she cares for him now too, because this is how church works. And I think just that whole thing of it isn't just about we sit and listen and learn stuff and go home. This is about we're together and we're, we're working this out. And so that like the cup of tea or the drink of juice and the chat at the end is just as much a part of church being church as the sitting and listening bit. Mm, absolutely. And actually, as a little aside, when I was speaking to the, the Christian grandparents, actually, there's a lot of uncertainty about whether that's okay or not, which which really surprised me. But I think this, this thing we have about safeguarding, which of course is important, but many of the grandparents are saying, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to go up to a child in church and talk to them, you know, and Aww. I think, wow, I, you know, I just never even thought that was uh, an issue. And so, again, if we as, as churches can just explain that, <laughs> you know, and, and again, provide opportunities for that, I think it will be quite freeing to a lot of those members of our congregations who perhaps want to. Mm, yeah. Sarah, in your report, um, and I'll say this gently in case there are church leaders listening. I read 68% of church leaders have no strategy or vision for children and young people in their church. Now, we, we want to speak gently because we're yet to meet that church leader who is, um, you know, bored, wondering what on earth they could do with their time, <laughs> wondering how to fill their days. Could you just give us some idea? What would it look like? What would what would good look like in that space of having a vision and a strategy for children's and youth ministry? I think again, we've used the word intentional quite a bit, haven't we? And I think that is an important thing. So when you talk to church leaders and say to them this kind of thing, they say, "Well, of course, you know that's really important. You know, of course, we want to reach out to children. Of course, we want to support parents and so on." So it's not that people don't want to do this at all. It's just that perhaps other things, and I get it, you know, there are so many priorities within churches and church life and so on, and so many competing voices. So so I absolutely understand that. But I think it's that sense of, are we intentional about, um, you know, ministering amongst children and families? But I think for me, what it would look like is listening to the needs of children and families and parents. So often, and just time and time again, I, I, I speak to people and hear these things that, you know, well, we think it's a good idea. We're going to set up this club or that club or this activity or this course or whatever. And it's like, but have, do you actually know that people want that? You know, do children want to come to a thing like that? Do parents want to attend, you know, 25-week course? Um, you know, this kind of thing. Um, or is it just... No, but we're going to give it a go anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even, even Sunday school type sessions, you know, while we're, while we're on that topic, are we actually <laughs> listening to children, what they want in those sessions? You know, or do we just think, well, you know what, I've got a book that I've had for 25 years here and it was kind of working well when I used it last time. And so, you know, you know, just the, the, take the just stuff and let's use it, you know, or are we actually listening and saying, well, actually the kids really want to talk about this issue or that issue or you know, friendships or, you know, where's God in this situation or things like that. And let, let's actually sit and just chat about those things that are really um, uh, relevant to their faith right now, or, or let's see what parents are wanting. So I think in terms of what it would look like for yeah. churches, it would be this thing of, are we listening to the needs of children, families, parents, and then taking intentional steps, not necessarily huge strides, just little steps, but also I think it's important to continue reflecting on that 
and um, to, to kind of keep asking and fine-tuning and changing what we're doing. But a big, big component of that, I do think, should be dialogue. So it's not about, you know, pioneering, taking the way, you know, here's what we're going to do and pressing on regard irregardless. But it's being in dialogue with children, being in dialogue with parents and, and kind of working together to see to see what works well. So that's what I think it would Great. Uh, look well to be like. In terms of like next steps. So to me, what you're describing there is you're both parents and the church together are agreeing that we want to pass faith on to our children well. So we're both on the same page. <laughs> so let's actually talk to one another and work out how we can do this better. Start the conversation. Thank you very much, Sarah. Sarah, would you just finish by praying for us as parents who are listening that we we would, I'll start, I won't tell you what to pray. Off you go. Go, Sarah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Father God, thank you for inventing family. Thank you for designing this to be the way of living. And so for each of the, the parents who are listening now, for each of the adults who are um, like parents to children, I pray that you would just continue to teach us about you, continue to lead us in our own walk with you. But also I pray that you would inspire us for uh, even greater things than what we see now. Help us in those small moments, but also in those big moments to know how to um, effectively uh, model our faith and share our faith. And when we get tough questions from the kids, just give us your deep wisdom and insight there, Lord Jesus. But most of all, I, I just pray for the families represented here, that they would feel encouraged, that they would feel valued and affirmed as part of your kingdom, and that um, we would work together to support one another and equip one another and inspire one another to continue making a difference for the children who are in our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Sarah, what a treat. Oh, it's been a treat. Thank you for having me to chat. Keep on discovering that the Bible's true, Sarah, in all of your efforts. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye, Sarah. Bye.